Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is Review 224 with our review of Iron Man 3. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases, television shows, and web series from the past week and beyond. Each week you're going to get a couple of different episodes. You're going to get some reviews. This week we have a review of Iron Man 3. You're going to get a trailer talk segment where you discuss some of the trailers for, uh, or I guess some of the trailers that have come out on the internet recently. And uh, lastly, you'll get a what we've been watching segment where we discuss all the things we've been watching outside of the podcast. How you doing tonight, Carson? Uh, pretty well. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Did you uh, celebrate a little occasion recently? I I did today. Yeah. Say so you getting a little older? I'm I'm a quarter century old now. Dude, quarter century man. I know. I would say that's the big one, but I don't think it is. <laughs> By quarter century, I mean uh, thirteen. <laughs> yes. Obviously. Going on thirty. Th- going on thirty, yeah. <laughs> finally, my boobs are finally coming in. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for middle school. Oh yeah. So did you uh, did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a good time. Uh, I went to Disneyland yesterday, Disneyland California Adventure, and uh, today I uh, didn't really do a whole lot, but went to went to eat at Out the Outback Steakhouse. Ooh, very nice. Fine dining. <laughs> did you get yourself a bloomin' onion? No, I d- I didn't get a bloomin' onion. What? How can you go there and not get a Bloomin' Onion? I, I don't know. I've never really been a fan of the of the Bloomin' Onion. That's sort of like going to Disneyland and not riding it to Small World. <laughs> well, the last two times I went to Disneyland, I did not ride it to Small World. Just because I wanted to keep my sanity. But uh, <laughs> this time I did, though. I oh, did you? decided to go on it this time. And I nothing has changed. My opinion has not changed about that ride. Yeah, it's it's not... I mean, they say Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Um, You're not happy. No. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. Like, I, well, I hadn't been on it. I hadn't been on that ride for a long time. I mean, I just I can't remember the last time I went on it. Because I always, I always just actively avoid that ride because it's just annoying. Yeah. And uh, so I must have been a kid the last time I went on it. And so going on it again, I was just. Very surprised how racist this ride is. Like it's very, very ra- like it's so outdated. Like in terms of of just like how they portray different cultures and how ethnicities. They, how they portray different white people. <laughs> exactly. It, they're basically all the cultures in the world are just whitewashed human beings. <laughs> like the Asian dolls are just basically little white girl dolls with like a bull haircut <laughs> the little asian like the the japanese women this is like this is so bad and there's no um you know you you go all around the world obviously but there's you know you don't go to africa um that one's left out um i think the closest they get to like uh dark skinned is uh, like indians like yeah. i think they go to india in one section but it they're so like Oh, it's just bad. It's really bad. <laughs> I I just yeah, and like all the, all the like the you know, the designs of the uh, like the sets and everything that that everything's set up. It just looks so cheap now, and 
I don't know. I guess there's kind of a there's kind of a nostalgic quality to some of the older rides at Disneyland, but that one is just very like they could just you know tear that one down, and I don't think anyone would care. Yeah. In my opinion, I know some people are like, "Oh, it's a treasure." Like, yeah. uh, no. Basically, I, like, I'm... like Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion is a good example of like a a nostalgic ride. Like, it's it's got like it's uh, well, to me, I think the effects are still pretty cool, but like some people would call them outdated. Yeah, I mean, but I, I like that like old old school feeling. There. They're 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 decent enough, but I remember like the first time I was a kid when that elevator starts to go down and it looks like the roof is getting taller. Like mm-hmm. that that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Dude, uh, it's still cool. Like I I went on it twice, um, and I'm I'm still like every time I go on it. Um, yeah, but it's like it it just it has this feeling of like now I can see the rollers and the paintings that are stretching, and like I can see yeah, the screen you can see and it, the roof. But- like yeah, just, but the the illusion is still there. You're kind of like, well, are we actually going down, or is just the the ceiling being raised? Yeah, yeah. It's Although the, I looked it up and found out that it's actually you are in an elevator going down. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's still cool though. It's definitely cool. It's an achievement. It's, it's nice to see uh, the workings of. But I just remember the difference between seeing it as a kid and the difference between like Indiana Jones ride at least is like a ride that is like shaky and like an adult can enjoy it. Um, for like the you're on a weird runaway jeep thing and then you're having fun blah 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 um, yeah but like it's it, the haunted mansion legitimately seemed like magic when i was little um, yeah yeah and as an adult you kind of just see the smoke and the mirrors and all the strings and it's kind of like eh, it's still pretty cool though yeah i still like it yeah. it's still fun i mean it's like pirates of the caribbean too like i the it's kind of lost its, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, this is like the coolest thing. Now it's just like a nice relaxation ride. Like you yeah, yeah. go in to cool off, basically. It, Pirates of the Caribbean is basically, it's a small world, but with a better song and less annoying. Right, yeah. And it's like very relaxing. I don't know, like that, the, the pirate voices, you know, dead, the dead man tells no tale guy. Something about it, you're just like, put at ease. I don't know why. It's that smell too, the like the watery smell. <laughs> the in smell the, of in the everyone ride. else's sweat. <laughs> it's <laughs> there's just something about it. It's so like I don't know. It's very calming. I don't know why. Even with all like the uh, now they've got it to where you know after the movies came out they added in Johnny Depp and everything. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, now like you know when you go through the. Um, where the ships are like battling each other. Yeah. Now it's like there's a guy standing on the ship and his uh, voiceover lines are just like, we got to find Captain Jack or, you know, whatever. Is there anybody that says worst pirate ever? No, but there's, um, they also have this like uh, holographic smoke screen thing that you go through and it has, it's projecting. James Franco's face pops up on it. <laughs> I oh I wish <laughs> James Franco as Alien. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like it's like uh, they're projecting images of like uh, Davy Jones. Gotcha. And they they even threw in Blackbeard. That's how they they really uh, really modern. They updated it. it. They updated it for the fourth one. Nice. They put it. They put in Ian McShane. So yeah, they that they uh, you know they they added in those little things. It's not really a whole lot, but. It's yeah. still pretty much the same ride. 
Sweet. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, and happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. I, I did enjoy myself. Did, did I enjoy myself during this uh, Iron Man 3? That's to, be, that's to be found out. That is the big question that I'm sure everybody's dying to hear. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, we should just get into that. So, Carson, why don't we take a look at the trailer for Iron Man 3 and then let everybody know what we thought. Tony Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl. And occasionally save the world. So why can't I sleep? You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. The Mandarin must be stopped. You don't know who I am. You'll never see me coming. What are you going to do about these attacks? The whole world's going to be watching. The question, where is Tony Stark? Things are different now. I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. Mr. Stark. Today is the first day of what's left of your life. Go! I'm gonna offer the choice. Do you want an empty life or a meaningful death? You're not a man. You're nothing more than a maniac. I'm not afraid of you. No politics here. Just good old-fashioned revenge. Do need backup. That's your department. Here's my boys. All right, so here we have Iron Man 3. Uh, Tony Stark has not been doing so well since the events that uh, ended the Avengers film. And, uh, you know, he's been just, just struggling, not being able to have, handle stuff. And uh, now this big baddie guy, the Mandarin, shows up in town and is just kind of like blowing stuff up all over the place and putting out these videos talking about how awesome a terrorist he is and how he's a teacher. <laughs> and he's how gonna... he's got a sweet ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a sweet ponytail. And how uh, you'll never find him because he'll just evaporate straight through the walls. And of course. Uh, Tony Stark, you know, one of these attacks comes a little too close to home, and he decides to, you know, call him out, and uh, all hell kind of breaks loose, and we got lots of crazy action, and the Iron Man, Tony Stark, he is back, first, third film, and this thing, you know, this came out like a week or so ago, you know, overseas, and it has just been doing gangbusters, like, I think before the weekend was even over, it was like the number two film of the year behind only The Wizard of Oz or something like that. Is that true? <laughs> I, I, um. Well, yeah. Over it had made uh 
over 200 million already yeah. overseas last weekend. Um, so yeah, I mean, they were already saying that like this will be the biggest movie. Yeah. Once it hits uh, U.S. And it is here, but uh... so it's here now. It's second second biggest uh, as of today. Second yeah. highest box office opening behind uh, the Avengers, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Carson, what did you think of this film? Um, I, I really, truly loved this movie. Like I could not ask for a better birthday present. Shane Black, Iron Man film coming out this weekend to start off the summer right on the right foot. Uh, I, uh, this is easily, in my opinion, the best Marvel movie, like my, by far my favorite of the Marvel movies that's come out. Like, and I'll tell you why. I, I feel like that this was not only was this the third entry into uh, Iron Man, but it really was the first of the Marvel movies or uh, any of the uh, Iron Man films that felt like a standalone, like a completely standalone, like in it a picture, and it also felt like a. Uh, it felt like it was completely the product of its director. Um, obviously, my one of my biggest complaints about the Avengers was that it didn't feel like uh, Joss Whedon had directed it or written it, um, and some would argue against that. But to me, it, it felt like he was, you know, trying to imitate another, you know, a filmmaker who did or has done like big superhero movies. Like it didn't feel right. like his own thing. Um, here, this is completely, I mean, Shane Black, I will say, you know, I'm kind of biased, but I mean, cause Shane Black is like my hero, but, uh, he really, like, I really, he breathed new life into this, into this franchise. Like, I think it was like the most brilliant thing to hire him to direct this movie because not, not saying that John Favreau did a bad job or anything. It's just that, you know, once you get to this stage, I mean, you see it with any sequel, like it, it starts to sag and, you know, you need to take it in a different direction if you're going to keep it fresh. And I think that's exactly what they did here. Like I, um, you know, I've said that I enjoyed Iron Man too, but I get people's complaints that it didn't feel like, uh, its own thing. It just felt like, you know, the next piece leading up to, Avengers like it didn't feel like it was an Iron Man film and this movie feels like an Iron Man film like it it it's Tony Stark front and center it's all about him I love the way that they uh you know handled his character in this film that he's having these uh panic attacks and he's you know been suffering since the events of Avengers and and uh you know he's just constantly uh, working on stuff in his shop and, and, you know, he can't sleep and there's just great character stuff going on, uh, here in, in in this one. And, uh, this is the, the the most Starky Tony Stark that we've seen so far. I mean, it's fantastic. What more could you ask for? I mean, you want to see that, uh, you want to see, uh, Downey doing his thing, you know, and, uh, and that's on a hundred percent display. I mean, that's what worked so great in the first film, was uh, Robert Downey Jr. doing his thing, having the great chemistry with Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, 
And that's all that's all here. I mean, they they replicated that again, obviously, but they give you more of Tony Stark being awesome. And uh, I mean, just just the story alone in this film is so strong. Like I, you know, like I could go on about some of, you know, I could complain about some of the uh, to me, some of the effects were a little dodgy in areas. Most of it I thought was fine. But, uh, you know, with a story this strong, like. I feel like if, you know, this is, again, me personally, I feel like if the Avengers had this strong of a story, I don't think I would have been as harsh on it in terms of just, like, I think I could forgive it in some areas in terms of, like, quality looking-wise. But, uh, I, I mean, just this movie is just so awesome. Like, it's so much fun. Like, it, I, I really feel like that, you know, they didn't approach it as hey, this is the third Iron Man movie. I, I felt like it was, you know, it really did feel like an 80s Shane Black movie, but just it happened to have Tony Stark in it. Like, it's so awesome. Like, this could have been, you know, the next Die Hard or the next Lethal Weapon. Like, it's that kind of movie, uh, I feel like. Uh, but it happens to just have Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, and he's being awesome. And I loved, uh, I loved Ben Kingsley, I loved Guy Pierce. Like I love the whole like reversals that happen. There's a lot of surprises in this movie, and I, that's what I think is awesome about it. Like I was constantly being surprised left and right, and uh, yeah. I was just like, oh man, I don't know what's gonna happen next. Like, and to have that feeling in a movie of this size, like usually, you know, we get these summer movies, and you know, it's either all spoiled in the trailer, or you can pinpoint exactly where it's going from the start. And this like completely throws you off, like from the. I mean, come on, would you? When your movie starts off with Eiffel sixty five, uh, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> I was, gonna, I was you know wondering, it's gonna be a good time. I was wondering what the hell was going on when that came on, but <laughs> I, I was that an attempt to ground the film in the time period that it starts off in? Oh, completely, yeah. It, it's just weird that like it started with that. I was like, huh, interesting choice. It was. It was the first time I've actually felt old during a movie. <laughs> I was like, I this is this is sad. I am 25, yet I remember exactly when that song was a huge hit. I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. And uh, you were old I, enough to actually care about that song. Dude, I had that freaking CD. I had that. I I had Eiffel 65, Euro Pop. That was the only good song. On it. There were like I don't 12 even know. songs. There were like 12 songs and I only listened to one of them. I don't even know if I would call it a good song. Maybe the only catchy song on that CD. Dude, that song was the shit back in the day. Like you could not go like one step without hearing that song. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, during the day. Oh, it was crazy. But yeah, like I mean, talk about, you know, this is like pre-iTunes days. So it's just like, yeah, I'm going to spend full price on a CD just for one song. Yeah. But uh, oh man, when that came on, I was like, "This movie is this movie's awesome." Like, I, this could all go downhill from right now, but right now, this movie's awesome. Like, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was hilarious, dude. That opening was great, dude. Like, talk about setting up the movie just so well. You got uh, the Fabs rocking the John Travolta, Vincent Vega haircut, <laughs> which was pretty hilarious, and Guy Pearson is uh hilarious uh long hair and everything yeah that was that was hilarious that was great i bet um, you like that <laughs> but yeah dude like 
obviously I can't really get much into the story because there's a lot of surprises in it, like I said. But I mean, other than that, the movie's damn funny. Like it's it's got everything you'd want, obviously, with uh, Shane Black co-wrote the screenplay. Like it's it's got his I mean, his style is just all over this movie. You've got great dialogue. Uh, you know, strong story and characters and uh, lots of surprises. Uh, Christmas time setting, that's checked off. And uh, yeah, dude, it's, it is by far, it's better than any big summer movie that came out, uh, Bummer Summer last year. Like, it way better, blows it out. Like, every movie that comes out this summer is battling for second place. Like, it'd be, it'd be hard to top this movie, I feel like. All right. Well, uh, there are a lot of things to talk about in this film. And like you said, there's a lot of stuff that we can't just jump right in talking about because there, there are a lot of surprises, a lot of interesting things that, that are happening that would all be considered spoilers. So I'm going to try my best to skirt around all those for now. Um, but yeah, like th this film is a very strange film to talk about because you know, like you said that this is the best Iron Man film, um, or, or you said this is the first, like, film for a while that, like, feels like an Iron Man film. Like, this is the character of Iron Man. This is Tony Stark. Like, this film puts him front and center. It's not just this piece of a puzzle that fits into something else. Like, this yeah. feels like a legit film on its own. And if that's what this was, that would be an amazing thing. Unfortunately, Marvel has a universe that they've established and a series of films that they've established that are all part of a puzzle that are supposed to interlock and fit together. Um, this film continuity wise makes zero sense existing in the Avengers universe, which is where it exists. Like characters are directly, you know, there's, there's a little kid who provides a lot of humor in the film who is constantly asking about where the other Avengers are and things like that. And that is, is an important piece to your puzzle. Like the Avengers don't have to take part in this film, but I think what the filmmakers did here in the writing and stuff, they made Iron Man way, way too powered, like too powerful to exist in a world in which the other heroes are even needed at all. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything that is happening in this film uh, is, is like legitimately awesome. And it's super, it like, Things are things are cleverly done. The the powers are utilized well. The stuff Tony is doing with with um, the advancements he's made to his suits and like the little projects that he's been working on um, during the time between the Avengers and now, they're all awesome and I love them. And uh, you know both the humor side, the tech side, the like tricks that he's pulling with them, like everything is great except for the fact that it exists in a world where if those things also existed, then what does that do for the context of the rest of the film? And yes, at the end of this film, they address that. They try to like, you know, make sure that everything is, is uh, okay as far as that continuity goes, but it really doesn't, it, it doesn't justify the existence of this stuff. And it, it, it's, like I said, it's really hard to talk about ambiguously, but this film feels like it's been plucked out of the current set Marvel universe and put in its own universe where it's allowed to do its own thing. And that, technically is fine and if i'm if i'm judging this film simply as an iron man film it is completely awesome i mean we have we have the the most tony starkness you can get out of robert downey jr happening in this film uh you know obviously like you said uh 
uh, Guy Pierce and Ben Ben Kingsley are just their characters are just the just the right amount of ridiculous and um, <laughs> actually like badass and legitimate like just especially Ben Kingsley like Ben like by the end of this film you are just like Ben Kingsley stand up giving <laughs> applause <laughs> like he is so amazing in this film that like I hope I hope this is the most fun he's had on a film set. Oh, it looks for, like for I don't know how long, but uh, since Shutter Island, yeah, since Shutter Island, since since he turned back time, I I, I don't know, like it's th- this this might be my favorite Ben Kingsley appearance in anything that he's done. I, dude, he was like legitimately terrifying. Like those videos that he put out, I was like, yeah, dude, like I wouldn't want that guy happening. Like, well, I, I mean everything. Well, yeah, I, I know, but I mean. In the beginning, let's yeah, just yeah. put it that way. Yeah, but um, you know, I yeah, like he's a he's a legitimate force that you're like, wow, like the st- the stakes are high, like for Mister Stark. Yeah, and and Guy Pierce, you know, his his part of the storyline, he um, definitely fits that role that he's going for um, um, pretty well. I mean, I, I I would compare him to another character's role in another film in a Marvel franchise, but. If I were to do that, then it would be, I guess, a spoiler for um, that character's arc. But you know, there, there's, there's a lots of awesome. Like, I, there wasn't a moment of this film that I wasn't having an incredible time. Like, that's, like, I, like, at the end of this review, I'm going to give this a must see. Um, there's, like, I can't, I can't say anything other than that because it is, it is an awesomely fun, hilarious, action-packed. Um, you know, like just. Everything about it is amazing, but th- it's not just an Iron Man film. You can't just look at it that. It's it's a piece to the puzzle of the Avengers franchise, and I know you didn't like the Avengers, um, Carson, but like you can't deny that that's what this is. And I think that like if you if you really consider like like what Tony Stark is able to accomplish in this film, it like sort of doesn't make sense that he would not like. It changes how any future film that has Iron Man in it should and could come about. If 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 the power he's able to leverage in this film isn't leveraged in in you know Avengers two, it makes zero sense because clearly he's shown that he can and 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 will and could do all the stuff that he's doing in this film. So, like how like how do you expect them to reconcile that? um in in future films i mean i don't i don't think you we should i don't think you should judge any of the marvel films really as a whole like i don't think that as a whole to this like big puzzle like they are yeah there's no denying that they are like you know one piece to a giant puzzle especially the the you know the the phase one movies as they call them uh, that that led up to the Avengers, like those were obviously putting the pieces in motion and setting them all up to where they you know they all joined up in the Avengers. Obviously, that is what they were doing. But uh, I mean, you can't. I don't think you should just judge even like the earlier films. Uh, like you know, I mean, a lot of people judge Iron Man two just for being a setup to the to the Avengers. Like I don't think you should judge that as like but just no, but oh no. well, this is the, a piece of the puzzle and it's not you know fitting up with whatever their plans are. Like I 
but, I but mean, pre but pre Avengers, you can judge them independently because they haven't assembled. But the problem true. is, I mean, it's, once it's they've a little, come together, it's a little harder to swallow after the Avengers because you're like, well, they all have you know teamed up and defeated evil and yada yada yada, and there's obviously references to uh, the events that happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a sense of just like, well, what? How different is this plot to you know take over the world or whatever uh, than it was in uh, Avengers with Loki? Like, I, I mean, why wouldn't he have called somebody up on this one? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just feel like you. I, I mean, I don't really. I didn't. That didn't really bother me in this film. I. I I can see why people would think, I mean, it is something where you're like, yeah, like he could have easily called up, you know, Bruce Banner or whoever to, to help him out. But, uh, you know, like I said, this movie is so strong that like, I don't think any of that matters to me. It didn't. Um, but, but what, what I'm talking about though, is like, for instance, you have, you know, in, in the Avengers, you have a scene, you know, you have, you have the whole, the whole, all right, not so in Thor, you know, we get the establishment of, you know, Thor's hammer. You know, Odin puts the little magic spell on it that says only he who's whatever worthy is able to wield the power. Like, any, whoever is wieldy, worthy will be able to wield the power of Thor. And, like, Thor, at the beginning of that film, loses his worthiness and he has to regain it before he can wield that power again. And in the yeah. Avengers, we have the great scene where... Um, the Hulk is all pissed off. He gets hit with a hammer and then tries to pick it up, but he can't because, you know, obviously the Hulk... Not worthy. So we've already established that the extent to the Hulk's power is is less than that of Odin's little magic spell that he's placed on on the hammer. So if in the next uh, if in the in the next Avengers film, if like half the movie uh, Hulk is just running around hitting people with Thor's hammer, like th- that there's there's a huge continu- continuity error because we've already established that like Hulk cannot pick up the hammer. So if suddenly he's using the hammer. Um, it doesn't make any sense. Or even even better explained would be if we had a Hulk movie before uh, the Avengers, where um, where we established that um, that he could pick up the hammer, and then all of a sudden the Avengers comes around, and we have the scene where he can't. Like there, the issue is that Tony Stark is too powerful. Um, everything that 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 was written into the story about what Stark can do with his suit. Um, is like there is no reason why he should ever not he should ever be doing anything less than that from now on and obviously he will be because they wrote it in the story that he will do less with it so but it doesn't make sense that like you don't progress in strength and power and uh, ability and then backtrack so that when you make the other movie there's a reason to need other heroes besides you well i mean i don't know what they're planning on doing with that like i don't if this, because to me, this does not, you know, this is technically the beginning of phase two uh, that leads up to the second Avengers. And I don't know, I don't know if there's anything in Iron Man 3 that is setting up for that. I mean, to me, it doesn't feel that way. But I mean, I don't, you know, no, that, I'm not the head that's... honcho at Marvel. I don't know how that, you know, how this, if it, it does set up something else. But I think really... It, it's going to be weird because we got all these other um, new superhero movies or new, yeah, superhero movies coming out 
um, in the future. And it's like, I don't know how, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like how do they fit into the whole Marvel Universe thing? Like how does that, how does this, you know, how does that all go in? It's just like, I mean, it's, again, it's like you don't, I mean, I see what you're saying about like he has all these, you know, he has all this power, but I don't know exactly what they're going to do from now until then that could possibly change that or that, you know, there could just be this giant force that they need all the power they can get. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I will say that the uh, the action set piece that uh, this movie builds to is extremely legitimate. Like, this, this is... A, an awesome like it's it's kind of kind of one that's been been done before but it's done in a way that is just it completely satisfying and pays off like i mean yeah, it's way better than calling your friends through a wormhole i'm just saying like that's all i i just think like in terms of like bigness too like i think that this is a lot more satisfying like i think because you know everything that's been building up to it was great so it pays I, off. I think it was fun, but I think, like, that whole final action set piece is where most of my complaint comes from. Um, because, like, it doesn't make sense that... Because the, the final fight in the Avengers 2 will not involve the equipment used in the final fight of Iron Man 3. I guarantee you that. And it doesn't make sense why. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, if, like, you know, there there was some sort of ordinance used to try to fight the enemy with at the end of Avengers. And uh, we'll just say that, like, we've established now that we have that type of device that we can use to, you know, hit wormholes with. <laughs> so if suddenly in the future, like, damn it, if only we had a device that we could hit wormholes with and then nobody has one, it doesn't make sense because we've established that, like, we have that sort of weaponry it should be like once you've used a weapon like it's usable from now on like you should only you should only be coming up with more stuff in the future uh you shouldn't like regress technologically well i mean i don't know we're talking about a movie that's not going to come out for another two years so yeah i mean i i just i feel like looking at it as as a whole isn't exactly I don't know. It's not exactly fair, I think, when you're judging. I mean, I'm just looking at just the movie. Like, I could care less about what they do in the next movies leading up to Avengers 2. Not saying that I'm not looking forward to it. I'm just saying, like, this film, like, regardless of, yeah, there's some weird things because you're like, well, how does this all fit in? Like, if you want to look at it as, like, a piece to the entire puzzle. But, uh, I mean... I really honestly feel that uh, the approach to this sequel, I really feel like Shane Black had no interest in 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 making this, you know, a piece to a greater puzzle. Like, like I said, there could be one. I don't know. But it felt like that he was like saying, you know, I'm putting my stamp on this film and that's that if they want to use stuff from you know, that happened, events that happened in this, that's fine. But in terms of like laying the groundwork for some other film for the next couple ones or whatever, 
I don't think there there didn't really feel like there was an intent there. Yeah, I know. At least but in my that, opinion, that's, like if if you look at what J.J. Abrams did with Star Trek, like what he decided was, yeah, there will be no attempt to make sure this fits in with the greater narrative of the past series. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is literally sever the timeline and make my own alternate universe in which things can go differently than the rest of them go. And then now we have this new whole new new Star Trek franchise that can go any number of directions. And as long as the characters stay true to like the personalities and traits of what those characters were, the plots and story arcs can go wherever we want them to. In this film, like there was no attempt to to rationalize the difference between it being a piece of the puzzle like when you're directly referencing in your film the fact that the avengers are a thing and that you got technology from shield and blah 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 stuff like that then like then you can't argue that like oh well i made my film so that it doesn't like my film was purposely not supposed to fit in that universe because clearly it's referencing it like you know well i mean yeah but i'm just saying like this is iron man 3 this isn't you know avengers 1.5 I mean, I think that they they need to stick to the world of Tony Stark. Like, I mean, the you know we got Thor two and Captain America two coming out next, and I uh, you know I I don't know if they're gonna you know be they'll probably have references to the the previous film, but I don't know if you know I feel like that they would at least try to be like okay, this is now going to be back you know Thor only, Captain America only. We're contained to his world instead of the bigger world of everyone i, I mean but I, you know, i don't think i have don't... things like little things in it that obviously could relate to the big picture but you know the main focus is just the one character i think you're missing the point of what i'm trying to say but that's fine because i will just go in circles back and forth um where <laughs> i just repeat it and then you say it doesn't need to be that way and then it won't make any sense. But but I, I mean, to enjoy this film, like you don't need to look at it as a big picture movie. No, to, to enjoy it, you don't. But I think to accurately judge the successfulness of, of the Iron Man film, you have to look at the complete work. It's like Toy Story 3, technically, there, technically there's nothing in Toy Story 3 that should grip you emotionally as strongly as it does. But because it's the third in a franchise and you care about the characters and you were with them during their journey, it makes the third that much more powerful. Because essentially, if you literally like if you were to write out the events and just break them down to, to exactly what's happening, three is just the exact same film as two, but with a different set of characters that they encounter instead of being, um, you know, the one toys they're at the they're at the new place in the third film. But because the journey is ending in that third film and where it's going to and, and 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 what they've done for the past two movies, that third one becomes this amazing piece of work that like literally brings you to tears by the end of it. Um, so Iron Man, much in the same way, like you are judging the film just watching this like, oh yeah, that was an awesome Iron Man film. But you really have to take into consideration where Iron Man comes from and what like the purpose of his existence in this film franchise is like, he's a part of this, this whole, and this, this isn't the third Iron Man. And then there there will be a fourth Iron Man. And then a fifth there, like this is the third Iron Man leading into the next Avengers film in which Iron Man has to continue on being exactly who he is. Um, So 
you don't ha- like yeah i understand the idea of trying to look at it separately but it's this isn't just a reboot this is a continuation to something we already know has a future level like if this film was made and there wasn't already supposed to be um avengers 2 then it doesn't matter because when you know when he was making this film when shane black was making this film it, it could have been his intention that this was the last film and then it doesn't matter what he did because he thought that was the last film that was going to come about but because he's making it with full knowledge that they're already working on the avengers 2 like there should be continuity between what tony stark and the iron man suit is capable of doing and if you ignore that then like that you're you're doing something wrong because like I said, you're not just ending a series and then, oh, whoops, the studio decided to go on without me and go continue with the series. So screw them. They have to figure out how to work around what I wrote into my story. Like he's writing it with the full knowledge that it will be continued afterwards. So he's like he's he painted them into a corner that the studio is now going to ignore and carry it on its own direction. And it's like I think that's irresponsible on the part of the, the person writing the character. I mean, I, I don't see it that way. So, I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion. I mean, because what, what you're saying is that we're, we're judging films that haven't come out yet, though, because the, we're saying that this is leading – this is all leading up to another film. But it's like there could be things – events that happen in the forthcoming films that could change that. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing is that like, we're just guessing – I feel like because we're looking at it as like the the first piece in the second phase or whatever. I don't know. I think to critique this film, I don't necessarily believe that you have to look at it as, you know, oh, well, it's Marvel. So there's a there's a grand scheme to things like I I mean, just the, the post credit sequence alone, like the fact that there's no tease really for another film um, whether it be another Iron Man film or like the next piece to the Avengers, like I, I feel like that's what really makes this a standalone thing. Um, even though obviously there are references to other films, I don't know. It just feels it feels like it could be its own thing, like a self-contained vehicle. But well, I think to uh, me at least, I think Avengers to establish the or sorry, Avengers the first Avengers film established the. We already understand that there's nothing to, the, there's nothing we need to tease because we understand the flow of what how these films are going to come out. So now all of our post credit sequences are just supposed to be funny. I mean, I guess I I don't know. Like I don't know what I don't know what their thinking is when they when they come up with these post credit sequences. Because I, I, I mean, well, if you look if you I, look at the post credits post credit sequences pre Avengers. They're all teases for yeah. They're all the teases for Avengers. If you look at them post, um, post Avengers, they're all humorous. Yeah, but we've only had one. We've only had one. Well, movie. We've had the Avengers itself and this film. Well, yeah, but I mean, obviously they weren't. Well, we had we had the Avengers. We had two in the Avengers. We had the one that's setting up the sequel, obviously, and then we had the humorous one. So we we got like a you know the best of both worlds in a sense. Well, one was pre credit and one was post credit. Well, you know what I mean. Like they they obviously teased you with, 
you know, oh, hey, like, this is going to be in the next one. And then they had the the funny thing at the very, very end. But, I mean, I, I feel like that... I mean, I read I read in an interview that, like, the, the post-credits thing for Iron Man 3 was just kind of thought up by Robert Downey Jr. It wasn't exactly like, hey, this... You know, it wasn't like Kevin Feige came down and was just like, hey, this is going to be it. Like, with, you know, he determined that it had to be... Uh, a funny one instead of like a tease yeah but i'm saying it like it clearly the intention wasn't to like for both of them in the in the, the everything starting with the avengers forward so far has been a non-attempt to tease anything just a hey let's put something after the credits because people are going to stay for it oh yeah well they obviously know that there's going to be something there and i think it's kind of funny that there were a lot of people i was reading a lot of comments online where people were just like the post credit scene was terrible like it didn't even set up anything it's like well did, did you really need like did there need to be there doesn't always need to be a tease i feel like in my opinion like just because it was like a short little humorous thing like i don't think there's a problem with that like i feel like definitely down the line maybe like captain america 2 or like I said, Guardians of the Galaxy for sure. They're gonna have like big time teases for for uh, Avengers too. I mean, especially because that Thanos dude or whoever showed up at the end of Avengers, you know, pre credit tease Avengers. Uh, I was reading like he factors in heavily to uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy because they all take place in space and stuff, and yeah. there's like crazy characters and so. You know, I feel like that there's definitely going to be stuff down the line that they'll be like, okay, well, now this is our time to, you know, ramp up the uh, the teasing and the, you know, the, the puzzle piece putting into placing uh, for the next one. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, going back to Iron Man 3, like, I just feel like that – I mean, I don't feel like that it was irresponsible on the filmmaker's part that – they just didn't reference, or they didn't like what you said. They kind of wrote themselves into a corner almost, or with the character, like how they treated Tony Stark. In I, a sense, for like w you know what he will do in the next movies or in the next movie, I guess. I don't. Know, what, I, what? I, I I don't think it's to me. I don't feel like it's irresponsible because if if like. If the writers of this film were writing it just as like, oh, we're just going to, you know, say, you know, F you and just do our own thing. Like, clearly, I mean, to me, it felt like they were doing their own thing. But obviously, they were given – they had to have been given some kind of instruction. And obviously, it had to have been approved by, you know, the heads of Marvel because they're the ones for, you know, overseeing everything that, that this will lay out into – the grand scheme of things. So I feel like, you know, if Marvel didn't like the direction they were going in, they would have said something. Well, I'm sure, like, Hey, I'm, you can't do this. Like I'm you sure, can't have Tony Stark be this powerful or whatever. I'm sure everyone at Marvel was like, this is awesome. This is going to be so freaking badass, And nobody really cared about keeping continuity. I know. I, I feel like they're pretty good on these things. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, like I, I, I truly believe that they, you know, well, I mean, you could argue that, well, they didn't get Edward Norton back for the Avengers or whatever, but in terms of like actors coming back, but I mean, well, yeah, they didn't I, get Terrence Howard either, but that kind of stuff doesn't right, bother but me. I That's mean, but like, a... I feel like they are, they are 
you know, they have a plan. Like, they obviously have a, a plan mapped out for their phase two, as they call it, and then the, and the phase three, and, and, and uh, like, I feel like there is, there's a Marvel, you know, room somewhere in their studio that has everything mapped out. Like, I feel like they, they have to have, there's obviously something going on. They have a, a plan laid out, just like they did for phase one leading up to the Avengers. Like they obviously had to be like, okay, well, you know, this has to happen, you know, for the, the tease in this movie or whatever. Like this is what, this is where the direction of this film is going to go. Um, like, I don't think they're just sitting there going like, you know, Shane Black pitches them. This is how the Iron Man three is going to end up. And, and we're going to have this big action. I don't think they're just going to sit there and go, Oh yeah, that sounds good. Like, without the knowledge of, like, how does this affect the grand scheme of things. Like, I, I truly, I don't know. To me, I don't think so. I think that they, if they really thought that it was going to take everything into, like, an entirely different direction, then they would have been like, okay, guys, we can't do this. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that it could, I could be entirely wrong, but I don't know. All right. Well, uh, I don't think there's any point in like continuing on around this subject uh i would basically everybody listening to this podcast has to have seen the film before i can actually detail everything out and uh people can you know contact me through various ways if they want to hear what i'm actually talking about um so let's just get into our uh, uh recommendations for this film i guess um carson if you're going to place this on a scale of must see recommend with a caveat uh, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid. Where would you place it? I mean, this is this is definitely a must see film. Like, uh, you know, don't take away the fact that it sounded like we didn't like the film at the end. There, uh, we. I mean, I personally love this film. Like, I just think it's a great, it's a great summer movie. It's exactly the kind of movie you want to go see during the summer. A big blockbuster type film. I mean, it's got it all, and like. The, you know, there really is just a whole lot of win in this movie. I think there are the positives outweigh the negatives for sure. And uh, uh, I don't see whatever Chris is going on about clearly. So <laughs> I don't know. I had no problem with it. I, yeah. Yeah, I have problems with this film um but like i said at the beginning i'm still gonna give it a must see because it is it is a big spectacle film like it is and and from like you know i think i think all the characters in this film are amazing i think some of the plot things are kind of um not stupid but like they don't like they don't make a whole lot of sense like they're just kind of there to facilitate the character stuff happening and like you know that's fine like i think some of the character stuff in this is the strongest it's been in any marvel property period like just uh you know tony stark his interaction with you know with everybody uh that he encounters in this film is is pretty awesome the little boy they found for like part of this film is awesome uh ben kingsley guy pierce are awesome like everyone just gets to do awesome stuff in this film and Really, you'll watch it, and there won't be a single moment in the entire running time, whatever it was, uh, that is that won't be just. Well, I mean, I've said it a million times. So awesome. Um, so unless uh, you're, yeah, one of these hardcore nerds that I've seen online that just 
didn't like how they treated some of the characters, but for for movie for movie wise movie terms, I think that uh, I mean, I think it was great. Like I think, like I said, there are a lot of surprises in this movie. Yeah, it, it's it's just a crowd pleasing film, and you know, like I said, I I think it doesn't make sense that there are films coming after this in which you know Iron Man won't exist in the the sense that he is during this film um that doesn't take away from the fact that you will have a lot of fun with and enjoy this film um so i it my problems with the film aren't enough to make me not recommend people seeing it it's just one of those things where i could have lengthy discussions with people who have seen the film about why though i enjoyed what they did they shouldn't have done it if if that sort of thing makes sense well, and it's kind of hard for me to <laughs> to say anything because we don't want to give anything away. Yeah, and we're all talking in vague terms, that so is, that is I one, don't know. That is one of the uh, the downsides about trying to do a podcast that everybody can listen to our discussions about something without um, going too deep into it. Um, so, but I mean, I think the biggest takeaway here is that. You know, rarely do you get any movie that's good by the third entry. And uh, this is definitely one of those rare, especially superhero movies, because, you know, they always say that the third movie is cursed. You know, by the time they get to part three, people are singing and dancing and, you know, there's all kinds of shenanigans going on and it's never as good. But Wait, you, I I think you, they bucked the trend on this one. Are you saying Jurassic Park three wasn't as good as the other Jurassic <laughs> Parks? No, but I mean like I mean uh, they in terms of superhero movies. Yeah, yeah I'm the, just trilogies. Yeah, yeah. Spider, I mean Spider Man has definitely shown us that. Oh, of course, and uh, X Men and Blade and yeah, you know people would probably argue against Dark Knight Rises also, but uh, I I would vouch for that one, but. Uh, I'd say in terms of this, this is definitely the the strongest of uh, three part, the third entry in a in a superhero franchise. Yeah, and real fast, just just to go over the numbers, um, you and I at the beginning of this film were just talking. We were both talking about two different number data sets. Um, so looking at bo- boxofficemojo.com, um, as far as all time opening weekends, Iron Man three is currently, as you said, just below the Avengers and just above Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows uh, Part two. Um, but in 2013, so far, it is the second highest grossing film of the year. Oh, okay, because I think Oz still has more money than yeah. that. Oz is still beating it, but that's in its entire run, and that's right. just domestic numbers. Yeah, I'm sure domestically, uh, Iron Man 3 will pass Oz in like a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, because right now, as of today, I'm guessing is, uh, yeah, as of May 5th, um, which is when we're recording this. Um, domestically, it's at 175 uh, million dollars, and yeah. foreign, it's already over 500 million dollars. So, yeah, foreign thing... box office is yeah overall box office is the highest this year, but domestically, it's still number two. Yeah, yeah, but not for long. I'm yeah. sure this thing is this thing is already slated to blow past a billion dollars. So, oh yeah, for sure. They said that it was. I don't know if it'll pass Avengers domestic gross, but they said it was like on track to at least get close or something. Yeah. It basically, they're just printing money at this point. Pretty much. 
they're making it rain <laughs> yeah apparently ben, ben kingsley is just shooting the bank with uh rocket launchers <laughs> and <laughs> making money rain down the side of a cliff uh, <laughs> guy pierce is breathing money yeah <laughs> <laughs> shoot money out of his mouth Oh, wow, dude, uh, Don Cheadle's line right there is pretty great. <laughs> Mostly great because that's almost the same thing I thought in my head. I think anyone in their right mind would say that if they saw something like that happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the nerds didn't like that part. That was another part they didn't like. Yeah. Online, the, the hardcore comic fans were not a fan. But it's like I feel like when you're making a movie like this, you gotta go for just you gotta go for a broad audience. Like I, I don't think trying to do fan service is just would be a nightmare because like no one, like if if you please if you say think like okay, well this is gonna please the fans. There's gonna be there's always gonna be a section that's gonna say well, you know I don't like that. Like no one's ever gonna be fully pleased. I feel like. Well, no, uh, no, nobody complained about the puny god line from Avengers, right? Uh, wait, who said that line though? Hulk. I don't. I don't think so. I, I think like there, there. I think there was a there was a good number of like fan serving lines in the Avengers that. There was probably the most fan serving going on in the Avengers, but I mean, there's it still has its detractors. I mean, it's not saying that like there are people who didn't fully agree with what was going on myself included i was gonna gonna say like you and your girlfriend but i mean i'm saying like i'm not like i'm not a i'm a fan of these characters i'm a fan of these movies like i i'm not i can't call myself a comic a fan of the comics yeah because i'm not like i i'm not not saying i'm not a fan of the comics i just i've never read them yeah um but i mean i'm just talking about in terms of like the the fans, like the the like core audience for these movies that have that know every single you know bit of information about these characters, they've read the comics, they just they're just totally into it, and uh, I think trying to please them all that is you know you kind of you kind of write yourself into a corner because it's like you can't please them all, so you might as well just do your own thing and have them duke it out online yeah (laughs) i guess i guess that's what i was trying to say that's uh, where people should go online to duke it out (laughs) imdb message boards start (laughs) trolling hard that's that's your favorite place to go when you need a good a good opinion (laughs) on a film right (laughs) of course yes i'm like i wonder if this film is good the most trustworthy source (laughs) all right well uh I think that's the end of this episode of the spoiler warning podcast so carson if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com cool people can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopher irl and uh if you really want to know all my my uh secretness about what is wrong with the continuity of this film then you can find me there and uh I'll, I'll i'll send you some messages um but you can follow or you can go to the podcast website this podcast website spoilerwarning.com to get all the back episodes of the show um you know all our past reviews and you know maybe check out our review of the avengers um and you can see how 
Carson and I like sat on opposite sides <laughs> for, for that <laughs> review. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter. You can, you can see all the comments too. People like eat, chewing me out too <laughs> for not for not liking it. For not liking it, like yeah. Well, people can follow us at twittercom slash warning to figure out when all these episodes go live, or you can like us at, at facebookcom slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Iron Man 3. Uh, So hopefully you're enjoying that right now. So we're not doing a spoiler section for this. Uh, I, I would say we should, but... We, if we end up going around in a circle for 45 minutes again, um, then it will have defeated the purpose of returning to the subject matter for the spoiler warning. Or well, for, for the I mean, section. I don't know, unless if we can actually talk about spoilers, I don't, I feel like maybe it would make more sense, but I don't know. Right. I feel like we're still going to disagree, so. Well, how about this? We'll do, we will, we will go into a spoiler section. Well, let, let this music play. When the music fades out, we will do a spoiler section, and I will set a timer <laughs> for, sub- <laughs> for subject lines. Like, I have to do it within 10 minutes. And, and when this timer goes off, then uh, we, will be, we will be done with uh, our spoiler section. Do we, do we agree to this? So, okay, so if you weren't sick of us talking about it before, stick around. All right. Because we'll try and... We'll try and... We'll try and make sense of it. I'll, I'll try and understand. All right, so officially then, we are now in spoiler territory which is full, no holds barred. Like we are, we are ready to go. Everything we say from here on out is allowed to completely spoil yes. this thing. And right now, I am here setting my timer for ten minutes, at least on this subject matter. And then after that, we can talk about any spoiler-related things that you would like to discuss. Because I'm sure there's a few things that you you uh, wanted to talk about uh, in general. But all right, timer starting now. Ten minutes on the clock. Uh, so. The main continuity issue that I'm talking about here is the fact that, like, obviously, Tony Stark at the beginning of this film, he is rocking the Mark 42, which is, you know, like, several tons, tons of iterations above, like, the Mark 5 or whatever he was using in Iron Man 2. Um, You know, whatever versions he was on, he basically has, like, this huge cache of, like, extra suits that, A, are able to act autonomously on their own and do badass things, and, B, are able to, like come apart in multiple pieces and have individual pieces of them act autonomously on their own. And I mean, the whole, you know, the big scene in the trailer where his, his house gets blown up and he sinks into the water and he gets basically pinned underneath a giant slab of, you know, cement and stone and rock and everything like that. He's able to get out because, you know, his gloves power off, break through and then turn around and grab him and pull him up through the rubble and, you know, basically carry him out so that he can escape. Um, we're constantly seeing these really incredible, I mean, don't get me wrong, they are awesome, 
Um, but we're just able to see him use the suit in ways that basically make him the entire Avengers force, but by himself. Like, why do we need the Avengers if Tony Stark could just go around with 15 suits and just bunch, punch every bad guy in the face and just kind of beat everybody on his own? Um, at the end of this film, you know, we get the big for no reason at all other than trying to attempt to get back to continuity. He destroys all the suits at the end of the film. So that way, like, they don't exist for the film going forward. But <laughs> Clean slate. He, no, okay, first of all, I laughed really hard. When <laughs> I, like, I laughed too. Clean slate protocol? Um, but, like, even, sure, if he, why not? even if he uses the clean slate, because, like, you know, clean sl- slate in the Batman films means, like, all your records are erased and you literally have a clean slate. Clean yeah, slate in this. Past. Yeah, clean slate in this film just means Tony Stark blows all the shit up. So yeah. even if he blows it up, if he's not rejoining the Avengers till later, like he just has to build more suits. Like Jarvis is obviously a pretty incredible AI who's not just like his digital butler. It's not just Ask Jeeves anymore. Like it's like something that could literally <laughs> fight Jarvis. a fight alongside him. So like there is no reason why Tony Stark shouldn't from now on be leveraging tons of suits to just like do whatever he wants. Like there, like he could. I mean. Don't get me wrong, it is incredibly badass um, when that rocket first hits the building and uh, as Gwyneth Paltrow is, like, flying back through the air, he kind of does, like, the the little, you know, like, uppercut (laughs) motion and his suit, like, flies around and protects her from, like, hitting the wall. That was badass. I I, I love that. Everything about him with his, his suit, how, like, you know, when they're, like, they have their, you know, Batman, Batman moment where... Um, they're like, oh, we, you know, we can't save the president and save Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, we, we have to pick which one you want to do. So he sends the suit off to go do his own thing, and then he stays in the boat. Like, I love that. Like, that was awesome, and that was something that, if that's as far as the extent, if, if the extent of the powers of his suit remained just a, I can control it, or it can control itself autonomously, and b, I can do motions to like wrap other people in the suit. I'd be totally fine with it because he can still do that in future Avengers films. But if Jarvis has already been established as being powerful enough to control multiple suits at once, and those suits can be used in conjunction to do this crazy off the wall, ridiculous fighting. If he's not also doing that in the future films of the franchise, it just, it makes zero sense. Cause if there's ever a point where like, damn, I wish we had more backup. Like <laughs> he should be like, Oh yeah, they're right here. But I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I think he could do that, but I mean, also, I feel like he doesn't have to do that in the future films because they have all those other characters that are just as strong and just as, uh, you know, powerful and everything. I mean, who knows? Maybe they will have a situation where they need to bring in, like, you know, 40 more Iron Man suits or whatever. But I think for this movie, I think the point of this film was that uh or to have all the suits i guess for me i feel like just the, he was his arc in this film was that he was you know going through all the anxiety and whatnot and he was making all these suits just so he could you know it was almost like he he started just getting really into his hobby of just building things and he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it because he was just trying to you know distract himself from uh, his anxiety and, and the, the events that were plaguing him. And uh, I feel like at the end, you know, his relationship with 
with Pepper has, you know, been kind of, uh, it's been, you know, kind of leveled out and he's, he's at a very, he's more, he's more back to the Tony Stark that we saw, you know, at the, uh, in the first movie. Like, I, I, I feel like, you know, there's clearly a, a, an ending in a sense to Iron Man almost in this film. Like, like he is almost becoming like, you know, a real person again, like with, you know, throwing his uh, reactor or whatever into the ocean and everything. I feel like using that whole clean slate thing, that was just like, okay, well, he, he got out all of his anxiety or whatever by building this army and then he utilized it, obviously, in the big final action set piece. And then he felt content at the end and he felt like, well, you know, I'm, I'm this is it. Like that that was his arc. And then they he was just like, well, I'm just going to, you know, destroy all the evidence, I guess. And I, and I feel like, again, we're looking at like, well, why wouldn't he use this in the future? It's like, well, I don't know. There could be something that that that, you know, I just think looking at uh, that far ahead is, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's kind of silly in my opinion. Like I, I don't, I mean, there, we, we also had like the same questions in the, in phase one. It's like, well, how would all of these superheroes team up? Like, why couldn't they just have Hulk go out and do his thing, you know, by himself? Why did they need everyone else and everything? Like, I mean, but the, that Aven- was just- the Avengers film itself answers that question by saying like, oh, well, clearly they needed the strengths of each of the people. Yeah. And I think that your question here might be answered in the next one. But if they don't need the strengths of like, if, if Tony isn't on the mark 84, then something's wrong. <laughs> But but I feel like that you know he's he's gonna keep inventing and stuff. But I feel like the the fact that he made all of those like he made forty you know new Iron Men and like had uh, the you know that he could control them without you know being in the suit all that stuff. I think that's directly related to his arc in this film only. Like I don't think that that was because oh well in Avengers two or whatever the next film that Tony Stark's going to make an appearance in, you know, he's going to be on Mark 84 or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's kind of absurd to look at it in that sense because it's like, I, I don't think that, I just think that arc in this film is only for this film. Like, I don't think that it's going to be, uh, something that could show up later. I mean, it could, but, but I don't know. E- like, e- I think even that... if I even if I were to grant you that, let's just say that, like, well, that's just because of the the state of mind he was in at that moment in time. Um, he made those suits, but now being out of that state of mind, he wouldn't. the The caveat to that, if even if I was going to grant you that as just like a presupposition, like I completely agree with that statement. Um, remember that in in the that that shield has their own um, agenda outside of the fact that the Avengers exist. Like, you know, Samuel Jackson has put together all these people because he needs them to do different stuff. There was a big whole, there's a whole part of the Avengers dedicated to the fact that, you know, that uh, Samuel Jackson had acquired the cosmic cube to use to, to do his own experimenting with and doing a bunch of junk. And, you know, that happened to lead, lead to all the events of that film. But you really think that Nick Fury would find out that Tony Stark made 40 Iron Man suits that could all control themselves by themselves, like autonomously, that he wouldn't be like, um, 
yeah, we need to go make some more suits. Like, it it seems like. But I think the I think your problem with that, like, I don't know. I think that's like minuscule in terms of. I just I don't see that as a problem. Like maybe he would think, oh, that's cool. Like we we could use that. But it's like they also have like a crapload of other uh, force that could they could back you know that could back them up. Yeah. Unless there's just like this Thanos dude in the second one is gonna come down and be like, I've got an army of space dudes and like we're gonna you know kill you and then they need all the help they can get. But it's just like. I, Maybe I don't know. Like I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did uh, utilize the same technology and maybe not to like a huge army, but like the same effect of just like hey, like you know. Uh-oh, oh, Carson! We hit ten minutes. You know what that is, right? That's the kick. That means we we have reached. Uh, that means I just woke up this morning. Uh, <laughs> um. We have reached the end of the 10-minute window for talking about the continuity of Iron Man's powers. In- well, I would be highly surprised if someone else had the same feelings as you did, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's minuscule. Like, I, I feel like that... I feel like you're going to be pulling your hair out for no sufficient reason thinking about that. Well, we'll, we'll have to return to that conversation, you know, in a year or whatever it is before the Avenger film, the next Avengers film comes out. Um, but I mean, there, there, that question I feel like is the same kind of question that we both had leading up to the first Avengers. And it's like that. I think that's a question that could very well be answered later on. But as of now, like, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Well, I hope hope they do. They do answer it because otherwise, um, I will be very upset. And but, if they don't answer it, I will laugh hysterically. <laughs> well, they they didn't answer, unlike what I said last week, um, why the Avengers don't come to Tony Stark's aid in this film. Like, that was... I could have sworn that I read that, that it would answer that, but uh, they didn't really go into that at all in this film. Well, I mean, he did uh, reach out to Bruce Banner for some psychological help. <laughs> yes he did um but uh, uh, i mean really who who are you gonna call like you Ghost really the, the people you would want to call are thor and the hulk and thor went back home and the hulk is just you know he's like i'm i'm not angry for you so <laughs> this is your fight <laughs> i well, don't he, know he, he could have sent off one of his suits to wrap around the hulk and then fly him over to where he was <laughs> well he he would need a very large suit for that <laughs> anyways um yeah was it were there any parts of the plot that you wanted to discuss uh spoilers for um i i, I not really i i just thought like i was saying before there i saw a lot of comments online they didn't like how the mandarin was treated but i thought that uh reversal of the character was uh I, mean, I thought that the that was one of the surprises that I was talking about in the review, and um, those particular things I feel like are what make this movie even better. Like I I feel like having those surprises uh, 
really just sweetens the deal, like in my opinion. And plus, I thought it was hilarious. Like we were talking about Ben Kingsley just running the gamut of awesome, um, you know, playing this terrifying villain, and then all of a sudden he's just this like <laughs> wimpy stage actor guy. Yeah. Who is just a total dweeb, but has uh, no clue of the like the ramifications of the events that he's been, uh, yeah, hoping he's been a to part of. facilitate. Yeah, and I just thought that was great. Like, uh, I mean, there's there's so many like great moments. I love that they that they you know they utilized Tony Stark. You know his his wit. Like they didn't have him in the suit a lot. I I felt like there was a lot of clever things where, obviously, like. There's a lot of, you know, reversals to like, uh, you know, like the big action scene where he goes and saves everyone that's falling out of Air Force One. And then we see that like, oh, like, you know, Tony Stark was actually on the boat the whole time. He was just controlling the other uh, suit like that. That kind of stuff is cool. But like um, I, I just liked how there's a majority of the film where where Tony Stark is not in his suit at all. And he has to rely just simply on his. On his, his Batman wit. utility belt. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I I love how there's a scene where he just like MacGyver's a bunch of stuff together, yeah, and uh, that uses that. I will say too, just real fast, going since we are in spoilers, referencing things that I alluded to before. Um, Guy Pierce's character reminds me a lot of Kevin Bacon's character in the X Men First Class. Oh yeah, yeah. They're very similar, like personality wise, and also their their abilities are kind of close together. Um, except for Guy Pierce is able to generate that energy at that moment, and Kevin Bacon's character was able to capture the energy and then release it at a later date. Yeah, I mean, I think X-Men First Class is a good um, uh, comparison to this film because it, I, it's a, I mean, it's obviously, it's not a part of, um, it's a Marvel movie, but it's not a Marvel movie where they own the right because it's operated out of a different studio, but, uh, or distributed by a different studio. But uh, like I feel like that—that's another example of a, of a like a superhero movie that was taken by a director and like he put his own spin on it and like th- like his style is like distinctly in that film and like it was it made that for the better. Obviously, First Class was more of a reboot and was a prequel, but you know they were like you got a sense of just like okay well i don't know how the continuity is going to match up with this it clearly looks like they're trying to do their own thing and and you know with the uh, second x men they're clearly they're clearly doing some things where they are they are like branching the two together but they're i don't know how they're going to do it but uh i don't know like i just i uh i felt like those were two like that was a good comparison to this film in my opinion, I thought that they were similar in in how they brought in a director and they let him kind of do his own thing and yeah, uh, you know, put his stamp on it, and not just be like, okay, well, direct the movie we want to direct. Like you have to do it this way or something. I don't know. But at the but, same time, like X Men First Class was designed so that by the end of it, it had paid off things that like. It was it was designed so that at the end of it continuity remained. Right. Yeah. But I mean, there were also I mean, the X Men movies are kind of a little weird because there's a lot of continuity stuff where you're kind of like, like the, I mean, with the all the, the spinoffs origin like Origins. Wolverine. Yeah, like in in Origins Wolverine, like 
there were some things where you're kind of like, okay, uh, I don't know, but that, yeah, I mean, they, they were still trying to play to the continuity of the franchise as a whole, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, like, I mean, like I said, like, I don't, that stuff in Iron Man didn't bother me, but, uh, I mean, yeah, like, I don't. The other stuff that I would say is just probably me listing off things that I thought were great that happened in the movie, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of hilarious stuff in this movie, and I thought like all the actors, like especially all the new characters, were really good. And uh, although um, I know you could say you could. You probably make the argument that Rebecca Hall's character was pretty underdeveloped, but again, that was another surprise in the film when it was just like, oh, okay, well, she's not going to be hanging around anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I just, I just like the, the again, another movie it reminded me of was Dyer with a Vengeance, which is probably my favorite third entry into a franchise. I know I've talked about it a lot, but like that is a movie that took the formula from the first two and completely threw it out the window and, you know, approached Die Hard with the same, like, intent, but put it into, like, a a completely different scope and uh, setting and everything. And it was... So it felt like a Die Hard movie, but it was just a completely new uh, aspect. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's kind of the same thing they did with this like they they took you know what we loved about tony stark and they put it into a setting that you know was radically different from any of the other uh iron man movies or any of the other marvel movies really i i feel like it was just uh it was it definitely shook it up and i like that's I think with any sequel, I think that's what you have to do. Like, I don't think that, you know, just doing the same thing over is, that's never good. Yeah. I mean, it could, sometimes it works, but rarely. Like, I mean, I think the only movie where I, I can think of off the top of my head of it working was like Home Alone 2. And that, you know, and that was just a kid's movie, so it doesn't really matter, but I don't know. Usually when you carbon copy the first movie, it's never good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like things come to mind like uh, Boondock Saints 2. <laughs> yeah, or Hangover 2, or, you know. Yeah. Most uh, most sequels. You, you can even make the argument that Die Hard 2 is like that, um, although I still think it's pretty awesome. One, one, one question, I mean, this is... I guess this sort of sort of goes back to uh, to um, continuity again, but in a different way. So you know, Tony Stark figures out the cure to make it so Pepper's not going to spontaneously combust at any random time. But what that means is he stabilizes the compound that allows es- essentially what comes down to Wolverine-style healing. So yeah. when, when this film ends, he has a serum that could make all of the Avengers like invincible. Yeah. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. I'm just I'm just saying that like for now Pepper should never be in danger again and he didn't have to go to a surgeon to remove those bits of shrapnel from his heart. He could have just injected himself with the serum that he's already perfected 
and then healed his way through that shrapnel. I, I still feel like you would need to take it out first, though. Well, like, it's it's as long as, like, apparently, like, as long as your heart doesn't get, like, shot out of your chest um, or your head doesn't get, like, completely lopped off, I believe that you can just, like, heal. Because didn't, didn't some of those guys get, sh- yeah, the they kept shooting them with guns and they kept getting back up. Yeah. But but I feel like the, the whole, like, the reactor in his chest was to keep the shrapnel out. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, as far as, like, if he injected himself with the serum that, that he perfected for Pepper, then theoretically he would be able to just push the shrapnel out of his chest and then heal. I guess, The yeah. way that, like, the other people who were in the shipping yard, um, you know, yet another film that, like, closes in a shipping yard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, there, there was, like, the... the those people would seem to be able to get shot with bullets and be okay. So, yeah, well, I, um, but I, I feel like that he, if he takes the shrapnel out and then injects himself with the serum, no, he injects himself with the serum first. I mean, either way, he shouldn't be able to make everybody like the ability to spontaneously heal. That's true. Yeah. Maybe he will because they will need all the power. They, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know if there is like a storyline that has happened in the comics that that's dealt with that. I have no idea. I would need to consult a higher power. I don't know either. But uh, I'll, what I do know is that obviously Pepper had the thing in her that, and he fixed it with his like half completed equation on the back of a thanks for sleeping with me card (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah you know what at least it wasn't y2k okay (laughs) dude that that creepy look that john favreau gives him when he's shutting the door and he's like yeah you go do that (laughs) pretty awesome i i lolled (laughs) i did too (laughs) <laughs> all right well any, any last thoughts before we close this out uh no i think uh, i think i'm good all right cool well uh we already closed it out with our usual goodbyes and stuff so uh yeah i guess i'm just gonna end this um, well see you later <laughs> thanks for joining me again carson uh yes thank you for having me again and anybody who braved the episode and stuck with us thank you for listening we will catch you all next time